everyone, Tyson here. Just a quick heads up on today's podcast. We recorded this yesterday and there were some server issues over at Substack, so instead it goes up today. Uh, still, you know, there's some good nuggets in it that aren't completely dated, but if you're listening and you're wondering why we're talking about Monday's lunch, well, there you go. Uh, while I have you here, just a quick thanks. It's been a great football season at the I-5 corridor and Shane and I are pretty darn excited to continue our coverage of men's and women's hoops throughout the state. Uh, by the way, the Portland Pilots are kind of a wagon right now. They're just down the street from me, so this is now going to be the official substack of the Portland Pilots. But right now, it's me and Shane, and I'm going to warn you, we dive back into that football game Saturday. So away we go. Here's Shane. Lightly toasted. On top of which, on one side, I threw a red pepper spread. On the other, I threw some herb goat cheese. Are you with me so far? I'm, I'm keeping up. Then... A little ham, a little salami. Got that toast in the oven as well. Threw some arugula on top of that. It's coming together now. And is then, it, is it is this a normal sort of like Monday afternoon for you, or are you just like are you going in because we worked throughout Thanksgiving and you? I won't. I won't choose. say this is. I won't say this is normal, but this is not a regular either. I am built slightly are, different at times on these weekdays. I'm not going to lie to you, Tyson. All right, for people who have tuned into this mess, uh, this is. The I-5 corridor's traffic report. Uh, Shane and I just logged on, and he was going through this uh, this amazing sandwich he's talking about and figured, you know what? We're just going to start right here. You know, Perfect. Think... It's not like we would have planned anyways. It, it, exactly. And, like, I, I think we kind of deserve it after the last few days. You know, I'm, I'm not here to say that we worked harder than anybody else or that, you know, we had it rough. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we got to watch a lot of – really good division one college basketball and a hell of a corridor cup down in Corvallis. But here it is on Monday, November 28th at 1 15 PM. And that's probably the first like good meal you've made yourself. I'm guessing in probably at least a week, right? Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, before I even get into that, like on top of the arugula, I had some, <laughs> some, <laughs> some, some, some tomatoes and onions that I had marinated in balsamic and olive oil and salt and pepper. And so that really kind of, coalesced everything nicely together um and and it, wow what a meal but you're right can, it's been can, can is is it like still alive can i get some pictures of this sort of thing i mean this thing is is on its last legs it's on its deathbed <laughs> we got about two <laughs> bites left of this boy that, that's that's fair okay so while while you're finishing uh your sandwich because that obviously makes great podcast radio um i think I don't know. Like, obviously, the thing to dive into is is what happened on Saturday, and I've I've done a few radio spots now. And I uh, did that game to you feel like it happened until it did. I, if if that makes if that doesn't make any sense at all, it just felt like that. Like, okay, there's no way that they're coming back in this thing while running the ball like that, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the game's over, and uh, there was a lot that fell out from that. Well, I don't know. What, what do you think? I, it's Monday, and I'm still trying to make sense of, of what we witnessed on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done those big boy radio spots that you've been doing. but yeah, they're, they're, I, they're, they're not big boy radio spots. I just <laughs> Before my wife goes to work, she gives me a microphone and tells me to play around with it for a couple mm. of hours. It keeps me busy. You know? Right, right. Now, um, yeah, I, I rewatched like, the condensed game because I, I felt like I missed a lot of it. The... the the weird thing about that press box is when it's we're right near one side of the field, but when they when they're down at the other side, like where they were on that final Oregon drive, you can't really see it very well. So you feel like you miss a lot. 
I'm stunned. I just think the whole thing, like, and I was kind of joking at first, but it's just a generational collapse. Like I, like 31 to 10, it's like, and you kind of wrote this, like it's one thing when you're defending a high octane offense and maybe the Beavers are that, but they weren't throwing the ball. I mean, they didn't even let their quarterback throw a pass for like an hour. He didn't complete one for like two hours. He had 14 yards in the second half and it didn't even matter. I've, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on, you know, like how, how much the Ducks should be held to the fire on that one. Um, yeah, like it's, you know, I, I think, you know, you do have to consider like, you know, Nix was injured and his first year head coach and yada, yada, yada. Oregon State's a good football team. But like at the end of the day, like if, if you look at this schedule and, you know, USC right now is a win away from essentially being in the playoff, like that should be Oregon. Like Oregon is legitimately like two two stops on drives away from being a playoff team, if you look at the Washington game and what happened in the fourth quarter there, and if you look at this Oregon State game and what happened in the second half there. And so it's it's created this situation where, yeah, like I, I do think that you should give Lanning a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like it's his first year he was put in this situation. But at the same time, too, if the Ducks realized that they had a player playoff caliber roster, which this one obviously appears to have been, uh, like, um, like, I, I don't know. Oh, if it, oh, I don't oh, know if okay. call it that. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, no, you you can completely call it that because they like they they should have won those two. Like, I don't know. Like they they should have won those two games, and if they did, they would have been in con- at least in the playoff discussion right now. So it's just but, like, but, and this is where I have to disagree with you. We never disagree, but like the reason they're not in playoff discussion right now, and the reason they lost those games was because their defense isn't playoff caliber. Like that's the reason. You could say they have Bo Nix, and Bo Nix, even though he was hurt in this game, like he played well enough for them to win. They were up 31 to 10, and they still lost. And it's because that defense and the fact that they didn't adjust, they didn't stack the box. Like, it's well, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, like, Oregon's defense should not be anywhere near the playoff or even the Pac 12 championship game at this point. But it's, it's, it's funny. Like, so I just did like the, I did like the serious Pac 12 show, and like, everyone is still like laser focused on like the fourth down calls or just like the, the, the landing mismanagements. And like, obviously there was some pretty egregious stuff there, but I think at the end of the day, like it's like the defense is the reason why they're not there. Like, I mean, the, the Oregon state game was one thing, but like just, you know, Washington, it, you kind of knew it was going to be, if Washington got the ball last, they were going to win. And uh, man, it's just such a, such a, such a range of emotions from like coming off of like the UCLA game where I think like my headline was like Oregon is back and it just felt like that everything was was going perfectly to yet another kind of monumental collapse here towards the end of the season. Yeah, and we'll talk about I think the the both Oregon and Oregon State and where they go from here because that was the cool thing about this game is this was kind of like the I five corridor Super Bowl in a way where it's both teams were covering playing each other and it's a fantastic game and we got both sides of that through coverage. Again, the corridor, corridor cup. You, you just right. gotta, Sorry, you just got to yes. keep. You got to keep saying. You know, you know. You could be all the other places and write about why you're calling it that, or you could just decide that's the name and go with it, like we have. So, corridor cup. Yeah. The last thing I was going to say on those, um, those fourth down calls is, you're fooling yourself if you don't think the reason that he's calling a lot of those too is that their defense isn't good. This guy was coaching at Georgia. He knows what it's like to be able to play conservatively because you have a good defense, and they don't. And I was really curious because I hadn't done this in a while. So yesterday I went through nothing crazy, no in-depth stats. I just went on ESPN and I looked at 
top yardage defenses in the Pac-12. Where do you think Oregon is? Last. They're fourth best. Seriously? Seriously. It's, so so it's 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 like the third down yardage, which is completely screwed. So them. well, that's what I was going to get to. So it's it's and this is a def, this is a co- conference where there's not really any great defenses because the best in Utah allows over 300 yards a game. Whereas I looked at the Big Ten and there's like six teams that allow under 300 yards games. So that's for context. But also the Big Ten has like one quarterback, but that's that's a different. JG McCarthy would like a word after this week. <laughs> there might be two of them. Um, no, but you're right. So they're fourth in yards. Call me off guard. I wouldn't have thought they were last, but I definitely wouldn't have thought they were fourth. And I want to say it's at, at some point. On Saturday, they were leading the nation in interceptions, which I cannot yeah, confirm, I, but someone told me that, and that blew my mind as well. And to have both of those things be true, and you still feel like every big letdown this year can kind of be pinned on the defense, shows you that you have to watch these games and these situations because, like you said, a lot of those yardage, a lot of that yardage, rather, is coming in really critical spots. The, I, uh, I, I think the only line in my story that I felt bad about is like, I, like no disrespect to Oregon State when I called it a high school offense, but like that's the first thing it legitimately reminded me of because like I remember covering like uh, Joey Alfieri, a future Stanford linebacker, when he was at Jesuit, and he was that was their offense is they lined everybody up on the line, I formation, and just handed the ball off to Alfieri up the middle every single time. And other teams just couldn't stop it. And that's all they could do. And it was just like, like that's what it felt like. It was just, I, like, I, I can't imagine what Lanning was thinking, like watching tape on that thing. Like just, just being, being a defensive mind like he is like, that's just, that's just gotta be grading. Right. Yeah. And you know, you said that's what it felt like. What it looked like was the dust ducks on both sides of the balls. Jesus, both sides of the ball getting pushed around in the way that they quite honestly haven't since, Georgia probably yeah, and that's, yeah, that's fair. and that's probably the most ringing endorsement you'll hear from this Jonathan Smith team which I feel like we have to talk about now because we started with how Oregon collapsed it's also a equally as monumental win for Oregon State that was a side I kind of covered the whole thing and it's a kind of a perfect way I don't know what's going to happen in their bowl game I don't know what bowl game they're going to play but a perfect way for them to go out on this sort of era of Oregon State football to go into next season. I know they lose some guys, but with the you know the stadium will be done. It's just an exciting time, I think, in Corvallis. It it just feels like it sets the table for so much more to come. Um, you know, we I feel like we were a little too critical on this team for a team that ended up having nine wins at the end of the regular season. But, you know, it was it was it was very obvious what their their weakness was this year at quarterback and you know, you can go revisionist history and say like, oh, if only they landed like JT Daniels in the offseason or, you know, some of those other, you know, put themselves in the market for a Bo Nix type. But I, I think they needed this season to truly put themselves in that sort of comp, uh, um, put put themselves in, in contention for that sort of thing moving forward. Because, you know, last year they were able to say that they had the coaching continuity. They were able to say that they've built this foundation. They were able to say that they've done all these other things. But whatever quarterback that came in still probably thought that there needed to be some other pieces that came in too. Like now Smith can point to like, this is a nearly finished program. And we have the recent example of us being a top 20, like 
there, there's a blueprint for the success here. Um, and now, like, yeah, it, it just it just really feels like this could be a jumping off point for the Beavers, which seems like a dramatically different spot than where we entered the season, where it was like they're playing in a, a, a you know half a stadium. The other teams are getting ready to leave for the Big Ten. Like, is Oregon State going to get left behind here? Like right now, Oregon State's looking pretty fucking comfortable. Well, yeah, I mean, and let's let's think about this whole kind of this whole landscape. If a USC and UCLA leave. And you fast forward two or three years, Oregon State, you could you could look at that team and say they will be a power player in this conference, which that sentence alone is crazy to say. I can't even believe I'm saying that. And I think, yes, we were super critical, but I don't think we were too critical only in that all offseason, this staff and this team said their goal was the Pac-12 championship. And if you're going to come out and say that, I think you should be held to that fire. And to be quite honest, yeah, they didn't make that, but this is a better season than I would have expected, especially after those heartbreaking losses like that USC one where they're right there and that changes the whole season. And they got a win that they can feel good about right now. And, you know, they're going to lose some guys, like I said a second ago, but I think you just have to trust the foundation with this offensive line. They got some great young running backs. Their DBs hit harder than anyone in the conference. Um they're just fun to watch, and I think the the fan experience there is going to be really enjoyable for people. Dude, I, and, I thought that yeah. out of all the times I've been to that game now, that was that was by far the best research environment I've ever been to, and it's just ironic that it's with half that. Like, I, I think legitimately if they get that program going and they open up that other side of the stadium, like, that's, that's going to be such a cool ad uh, to the overall just stadium atmosphere in the state, because really, you know, if you look back at it, it's been a really, really long time since like that was a ticket. And, you know, like I, I'll totally admit my ignorance here of, and, you know, obviously the things that I cover are more mostly Oregon, but I just, I just feel like there, ha- like there's always kind of been like that, like we'll support our beavers and like, you know, go, go beeves and that sort of thing. But like, it's, it's a different beast when you're a top 25 team and you got a brand new stadium you're unveiling like this, th- this is, they're in a good spot right now. They are. It was really loud in there. And I know you can say, well, they only had to pack half a stadium, but like, I don't know. I, I think they'll have no trouble packing a full stadium next year. Um, they had these, they had these big billboards, uh, big like tapestry, like billboards. They've, they've hung around research the whole year now. And I can't remember what the message is, but it's, it's kind of hoaxy a little bit. It's okay. You know, 2023, this is our year, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, it was easy to walk past and kind of laugh at that this summer. But yeah, I, I, I I personally, as just someone who enjoys covering this sport and this conference, I love what Oregon State's been able to do. Um, and it's really easy to root for them, to be quite honest. I think Jonathan Smith is a really likable guy, and he's a really good coach. Yeah, well, 100%. Um, it's going to be a weird Pac-12 title game this week. Uh, it, it's, it is kind of funny that the year that they do mess with the division format and everything, it ends up being two South teams um in the final especially with you know you and i did our power rankings today and i think i had utah like third or fourth and i can't remember where where you had them or maybe you had them second but it's just you know i i think everyone's just kind of hoping expecting usc to finish that thing up like i i feel like this thing has way less juice to it than if it would have been like a usc oregon type of game yeah honestly or even like a washington where you can Pen- kind of Penix sell versus Williams. That would have been right. dope. Yeah. And like, I realize rising is a great quarterback, but I can't see it marketing being marketed in quite the same way. It's going to be cool to see this rematch because they were the team that beat USC in the regular season. And what was a pretty impressive shootout. Um, 
Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, there were so many Utah fans at that pick last year. I wonder what the breakdown will be in Vegas this year. Um, I wonder how well the USC tr- fans will travel. Probably pretty well, I'd imagine. Um, real quick, one more one more shout out to our Bill, uh, our friend Bill Plaschke over at the LA Times. After how hard he went on USC all year, being so so good, it comes time for UCLA versus USC, and his column is here is why UCLA will win or something like that, and. You know, I, the best okay. team in college bat, uh, football beat them. So okay, okay. So I, I think everyone can kind of get a little bit of the tongue and cheekness out of this because we we are the website and podcast that last week ran like a whole like draft based on our bad takes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Blaschke's been a bit a little bit over all over the map. But like I, I was thinking about that too, like post game because again, in my career covering Oregon, like you there's a lot more winning game stories than losing game stories. And I, I think after losses, it's always a challenge to kind of get the, the right temperature of like kind of what the fan base wants versus like overreactions and all those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, writing the story I did Saturday, you know, on Sunday, just because of the person I am, I like, I was, I was feeling like a little gun shy about it. Like, eh, but, and, and I think a little bit about that too is, you know, you look throughout the season and it's just like, again, like I had the headline that like Oregon is back and it really feels like you're building this thing up. But at the same time, like that's, that's what we were presented at the time. Like that's what it looked like. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of easy to, to kind of get caught up, especially when you're writing like that same day on just kind of like the, the, the feeling and kind of the energy of, of what immediately just happened. I mean, that's all of sports writing is being a prisoner of the moment, right? I mean, look at the like, and that's kind of the beauty of it too. Like, it's hard not to be if you want to write good stories. You have to kind of go all in on one sort of theme or one sort of point. Otherwise, if there's no backbone to your story, it's just going to be stats and something about one game that's probably going to be largely insignificant. So, like a, I don't know, like even the Oregon State pieces I wrote early in the year about, you know, they're one piece short of being like a good team, like. I, you know, yeah, they ended up being a good team and they're going to be even better with that. It's like, you kind of still build that. I'm wondering, like you said, you're a little gun shy, but like when you look back at your piece now, like, and, and I know Oregon's got a bowl game to play, but I was looking at some of the teams that they can play just this morning and it's not going to be a glamorous bowl. A lot of guys are going to sit out. It's not going to, it's going to be a weird end to a, to what was a really impressive season in a lot of ways. What's the kind of, what, like, from your point of view, because you wrote that piece, especially like, what's your sense of the temperature with this program now? Because it, it it's a really weird end to a season that looked I, like it was going to be historic. I mean, like the honeymoon's over, right? Like, I, I think I I don't think there's any smart Oregon. Well, let me rephrase that. I I don't think there's any Oregon fans who aren't overreacting who are like, oh my gosh, you got to fire Lanning. Like at the end of the day, like they're what are they nine and three right now? Um, they, Which is what most people predicted them to go. I will just say that. Right, right, true. But like, there's, you know, this this wasn't. It's like, the way it happened. Right. This wasn't like they came out and it was four and eight. And you know, the the other side of it too is if if they don't hire Landing, they don't bring in Bo Nix, and maybe they're way, way, way worse off. So. Oh my God! Uh, Imagine if they didn't have Bo. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So like, I I think I think they were able to maximize a lot out of the season. They they obviously left a, a bunch on the table, but I mean. You know, the the one thing that was overwhelmingly positive this year was the offense, and you're losing Dillingham. You're probably losing Bo Nix. 
Uh, and the one thing that Lanning was able, like, could hang his hat on coming in was like he was this defensive wizard. And I do think there is something to, you know, a coach getting his players in and, you know, like all those cliches you hear. But at the same time, like, this is still a roster with a five star Noah Sewell, a five star in flow. You know, there's a lot of talent on that defense. And obviously they need to retool the defensive line a little bit. But it just, it's a weird, weird year. I think they'll give him you know, a little bit of benefit of the doubt this season. But I think next year it's 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 game on. Well, it's game on in a lot of ways because they have some really big things to fix, like you said, and you mentioned the five-star talent. And for the most part, that five-star talent didn't do a whole lot this year. I'm going to be honest. It was, it, was, it, was the, it was the worst season of Sewell's career. And, I mean, flow flows all over the place, right? And Dante Manning was a five-star. He's barely a rotational cornerback. I, all these guys could have a great year. I mean, Sewell's probably gone, but Flo Manning could be really good players next year. But all of this defense, like the and and an offense for that matter, the best players are still these. Aside from like a Troy Franklin, are still pretty unheralded recruits that just been in the system for a while. So it's easy to be like, well, wait till he gets his guys in. But getting your guys into a program, like people love saying that with new coaches, that's a fucking three year process. Excuse my language. Right, like right. to get your to get those guys in the program wait till they arrive on campus and then actually are like mature enough physically or mentally enough to play. That's a long time. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a smart thing for a coach to keep hanging their hat on because it buys them a lot of time. I mean, like how it was, it was probably, I swear if you go back and probably look at last year's PAC 12 title game press conference, like <laughs> at some point, Cristobal probably says we're just getting going. Cause that's like, he would all, what he would always say. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, it almost feels like a bit of a crutch, you know, like just like, yeah, you know, like whatever success success happens, like, yeah, give me credit for that. But if, if we screw this up, it's just because I don't have my guys in here yet. And I'm and by the way, like Laning hasn't been making excuses like that, but it's just kind of like this overall kind of uh, sentiment you get there. And it's like how especially in Oregon, how many how many coaches are staying around long enough actually to get their guys in there? Like none in the last five years. And speaking of getting guys in there, I mean, they might lose Dante more. So, um, yeah, I don't want to freak people out, but I think that ship is uh, totally not sailed yet on him leaving. So, yeah. So I, I, I think maybe next week we'll come, uh, we'll come back with a kind of end of the regular season full wrap up. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously there's not going to be a whole lot of interest around this bowl game. So I don't think we necessarily have to wait until then. Um, like, like, just think of the bowl game last year. Like, I, I know you actually wrote, like, uh, you used part of part of that game for your piece on Thornton way back when. But, like, like I don't, I don't, it was the Alamo Bowl last year, right? Like, the only thing I remember was yeah. the awkward, was the awkward, was the awkward pre-press conference with Cristobal and, uh, and Stoops. But it's, it's, it's funny because I did write it. I wrote a piece at the time, and this was when I was at the Emerald. And it was like the only, and it was like a column, and it was like the only thing I could get from that game was like there was a there was a period in like the second half, it was like the third fourth quarter, where they like just lit the scoreboard up for a second. They had like three or four deep deep balls. They had like a few touchdowns. It was like for everything that's happened this season, like the biggest goal for Landing and, and Co. Like is to I guess it wasn't even Landing at that point, but it's to whoever took over the team. I think at that point was like they have to reinvent this kind of and the second half magic they found and they kind of did this year and i wonder what the i wonder what that kind of takeaway story is going to be from this year's bowl because it's going to be a very similar circumstance i think if, minus losing your head coach 
I, I wonder if you if you take if, if you're able to compartmentalize and take away like the drama surrounding like the two coaches. Uh, what season do you think Oregon fans would take last year's or this year's? Because like last year's seemed so dreadful down the stretch. And I would argue the football is more fun to watch this year. But at least last year, you you beat Oregon State, you beat Washington, you have the high of beating Ohio State, which like Oregon fans obviously love any situation that lets them, you know, puff out their chest and, and let them think they're amongst college football's best. Um, you know, take away really take good away, question. Take away how last season end. I mean, granted, like both of these seasons were just complete blowups, but like towards the end. But it's it's kind of interesting to compare the two. Yeah, I think just because of the brand of football this year, it's still this year. But you raise some really interesting points. Um, it's a really good question. And like, I like feel that's, like... That's, that's the one thing you have to give Cristobal a little bit of credit for. And, like, I don't know how much actually goes into, like, the whole, like, focusing more on your rivals. But, like, dude, dude's team showed up against Washington and Oregon State traditionally, you know, minus the, the pandemic. Yeah. Year, but... I will say this year's Washington team and this year's Oregon State team are probably yeah a little different. <laughs> yeah, better than most of the ones he faced, if not all of them. But you're right because I think I mean that Oregon team this year had more firepower. So um, we'll come back, but let's talk uh, Phil Knight Invitational PK yeah, five stuff. Yeah, that's that. That was going to be my next thing. Uh, first question I was going to have for you is: before the PK started, did you imagine deciding to just not show up on Sunday? Because I'm going to guess that's probably a no. But that's just kind of like it was just kind of. A, I, I'm sure it was good on TV, and the network execs like got what they wanted out of it. But like, what a wet sock of a weekend, right? <laughs> um, I wasn't planning on showing up on Sunday barring something unforeseen because of just the driving I had to do for it. Right. It didn't really make sense to go down to Corvallis, back up to Portland, then back down to Eugene. Well, another reason I'm super excited to move up to Portland soon. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, it's easy to say it was a wet sock. I actually had a really good time, but I think that's just because I'm like kind of like a hoops junkie. And because it was and, so and empty, I got to sit. You're just not old and bitter like I am. Yeah. yeah, right. That's what it is. And because it was so empty, I got to sit courtside a lot and just kind of, you know, see these teams that I cover up close, albeit, you know, not an amazing turnout for uh, Oregon State and Oregon men's and women's basketball. But I got to watch some good teams. I saw some buddies that I didn't expect to see, some connections I've made. And I don't know. It, it's easy to nitpick. It was a cool event, but I do have some thoughts on how they can improve well, it going forward. Okay, okay. I I think I think like the actual basketball itself was like really cool, and like even yesterday I went and did Oregon versus Villanova uh, at UP at noon, and like I, I think my estimate on Thursday was there there was like eight hundred people. Like yesterday was probably half of that, and. <laughs> which you know it, it's it's easy to to be critical about that which which i have been but at the same time like it's really freaking cool to be like in a gym that small with that few of people and watching like pretty high level division one basketball and being able to hear like every little like syllable that altman that altman's like hitting in like his his huddles and um being able to move around and um my, my good buddy uh jeff smith his his wife and son were there and they were sitting um in UP, they had like the two general seating sections, like right behind both hoops, and they just moved down to the front row of that, and like we're right there for like a, a steal and dunk by uh, uh, Jermaine, I think, and uh, or sorry, not 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 Jermaine, <laughs> he's hurt, uh, uh, Quincy, 
And uh, yeah, like it was, so it was, it was cool for the people who were there and the basketball was good, but just it's, it's so weird to me to, uh, to have like, I think just built for TV tournaments are weird and it's a, it's a, it's just a weird vibe and it, and it seems like, it seems like such a national thing when it's celebrating like a local guy, but obviously that the local guy is, is very, 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 very national. So that's a good point. I mean, it's funny saying it was like for TV when the crowd shots were one of the most like, like I got like secondhand embarrassment, like watching the crowd shots in, in like, in like reruns and highlights and on TV. Like it, it, it looked that bad. Or, or, or no did, one there. Did, did you see the, the, I wasn't at this one, but the, the crowd shot for, uh, in overtime at the vet for the Alabama Carolina game. No, I saw, well, I might've caught it cause I watched part of that game, but what are you referring to specifically? Oh, oh, there was just some crowd shots where like, like behind the hoop, like there's like six people in the seats still. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's I, I think one, it was a confusing tournament to follow cause they had the multiple brackets. They had the men's and women's. It was at all sorts of different venues. You had to buy like a pass for one or another. And then like, also like they just need to work in some flexibility. Like, when the Oregon game was going on yesterday, I texted my friend Alec, who's a huge Oregon fan, and he lives like a couple blocks from the Child Center. And one, he had no idea the game was going on there because no one's promoted any of it. And two, like I couldn't in good faith tell him to like come in and try to buy a ticket because it was still like 30 plus bucks to like get in, like when they should have just been like begging people to come in off the street at that point. You know what I mean? Okay, so let's take a few minutes here. Let's let's rebuild and re-envision the the pk event because that's the other problem it was two different things it was a pki and then a pk or whatever it was legacy or it was the like it was a film night legacy and the film night invitational and then both of those had a men's and women's bracket like it was just way too confusing and it's they're doing this five years after the last one they did it's not a yearly thing so there's no momentum behind it i have some thoughts but what would you change about it if you wanted, given that you live near here, you hypothetically you want this to be a big event for Portland. Like, what would you do to it? I think I would have cut down on the teams, like, which is kind of sucky to say, but like, you don't need to have two brackets for this thing. I, I, I think it, like, if if the media people like us are having a hard time understanding, like, which like which is which, like, good luck to like just like the common fan who's like thinking that they might go like check it out, like, um. I, I think that's the biggest thing and just like having having like the various different venues and, and just yeah I, I think I would cut it down and just make it very clear like who's playing for what to, to begin with or, or or maybe like buy a couple commercials too just uh, so people people actually know what the event's happening yeah the only commercials or advertisements I saw for this event were billboards like out in the middle of nowhere on my drive to Corvallis like some like not even on the highway just like who are you attracting if you're putting it there that's going to drive to portland to watch hoops like i don't know for me there go ahead if you, you have oh, oh, oh i was i was just i was just gonna i was just gonna say like it kind of gives you an even better window into like how traditionally crappy women's tournaments are because like every women's team coach that came through this tournament was like like singing the praises of like how great the tournament yeah. run and how well they yeah. were treated and like ugh. <laughs> you know like well granted it's I, I i think the teams i think the teams and the players and the coaches they were all like i think they were exceptionally pampered during this tournament like they were taken care of but in terms of like actually like growing the game and putting them on a pedestal like locally like that was that that was pretty piss poor yeah when i was 
in the press conference for um, Iowa versus Oregon State, uh, the women's game, both coaches really praised the tournament, but they, they went beyond just the normal praise you'd give a tournament that you're invited to. It was like, wow, like you know, to, to come to a place where people love women's hoops. And it, it was a little bittersweet in that it's like, if they wanted that, they should have gone down to Eugene. Oh, yeah. It's just there wasn't many people there. It was just tough. Like, I don't know. I, I think the thing I would do is I, was, I would make it one men's bracket, one women's bracket to start with. And you could, you could you could expand, but they don't need two different ones. That made no sense to me. It was way too confusing. I, I can't really figure out. I'm sure it was some business decision, but I can't really make ends meet of why they did that. Or, or and then like start started on Friday. Like don't start it on Thanksgiving too. Like I don't know. Sorry. That sorry too. Yeah. No. No. You're right. Um. Or do it. Um. Before that, when they do some of these other ones, like the Maui, I think was before this, unless I'm mistaken. But they have something before this. There's right. there's usually some sort of tournament that's already happened, leading up to Thanksgiving. Um. Because Thanksgiving hoops for me was always like I'm gonna watch it on a TV. And the days around Thanksgiving, but it's never like I want to go travel because it's not you're, it's not you're going to Maui, you're going to Portland in late November. It's not as glamorous. But I would what I would do is I would have one bracket for each, and I would just as much as Childs was cool, I would do just Vets and just Moda. And then if you win, you I don't know how it would work, but if you win, you play in Moda. The losers go down to Vets, and I would just do it one tournament for each, and just have it between those two because they're right next to each other, which I don't even know. But you can walk. It's it's less than a block across, basically. It's just like a little courtyard. They're very easy to get into. I would do that, and then I would, um, I, I'd I'd have it be yearly, probably, to get some money going. And then I would give everybody the option, I think, to buy or maybe just be forced to buy a pass, where you can just get into both events or both venues for the whole stretch, or maybe maybe by day or something. It's because uh, that only that would be easier and, and it encourages people to watch more games too. The whole thing is just like slightly, you know, getting ahead of ourselves, but it's just it's slightly concerning because if you go if you go back to like March, um, I thought the NCAA tournament in Portland was relatively underwhelming too, um, in terms of kind of felt like the same thing. A whole bunch of people were like, Oh, yep. oh is this, like this is happening here. It was much better than this, but it was a little oh, bit. Yeah. yeah, and and so you know the 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 news broke last week that the the women's final four is coming here in twenty thirty, I believe. So that gives them seven years. And this is kind of what I wrote in my my story on on Thursday after watching the Oregon women's game. But it's you know this this is a state that really does love and support women's sports the the, the thorns are one of the most impressive entities in all of sports based on the crowds they draw versus the rest of their league but it's also something where like the fans really have to be feel like a part of it and ownership of something to to uh, help generate that support and i feel like if they're just going to airdrop that thing into portland and just expect people to show up because you guys love women's sports you're going to get the same thing that happened this weekend too like it's, it's right just... and this is not the sabrina days where right. people are going to go regardless and and like i get also like and and this is just this is this is in the weed stuff for media people like myself to complain about like i get the i get the overall concept of like the made for tv tournament like there's probably like i haven't seen any of the numbers but i'm sure like i'm sure 
ESPN execs aren't having the same conversation we are today about like this thing just being an embarrassment or whatever. But like, it just sucks for like all the people that they employ to work at an event and then for the event to just kind of be like that and then be like them to be like, don't worry, like what happened here doesn't matter. It's just, it's just on TV. Like that's what this was all for. Like there was so, there were hundreds of people that, that worked on their Thanksgiving throughout the weekend to make that event happen. And, uh, you know, but those are the local people who cares, right? Yeah. It's funny because one of my buddies who is from Michigan, he he works um, with the Michigan State Film Department for Izzo. And they flew him out for this tournament, not to work for Michigan State, but just because the tournament needed more people to be like, um, like concierge people kind of like for the teams coming in. So he had Villanova as one of his, and he's like, "We're eating, we're eating a, a meal in one of the ballrooms." And he gets this text, and he gets all frustrated because the Villanova like coaching staff is texting him to find them cold baths. And he's like, "This is just not my job." And it was a, just a huge reminder of how thrown together the whole thing was. And yeah. again, I had a good time; like, I really enjoyed myself, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, I'm not well, the average it, fan, right? So it, it's different. I'm, 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 and the thing is, is I'm, I'm sure a lot of people did, but you know, they a lot of people in that building had to contractually say how, how great it was based on uh, uh, the swoosh on their jerseys. And so I, I think being able to just kind of come at it with a, uh, a little bit of an unbiased eye uh, doesn't hurt anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Before we get out of here, um, I know you really only covered um, Oregon men's and women's. Do you have any uh, quick hitters on, on either of those teams? Uh it's hard right now for men. Yeah, but. I, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where if like, if, um, shoot, who's the uh, who's the halftime act that everyone goes crazy? Uh, you know, Red Panda. Yep. You know how she, you know how like she's balancing like thirty things like on. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how I feel like Altman has to be. To, <laughs> that's, that's that's how I felt Altman was on Sunday, minus the fact that he had no dishes to be spinning. Like it's just like. I feel like he had to coach the perfect game for that for them to win that because you have like a walk on starting that guard. You have one guy who came off the bench to score points. It's like yeah, like if Altman can do that every game, like I think they'll be okay until they get some of these injury guys to come back. But like that's putting a lot on the coach and it's putting a lot of on players like Will Richardson who played I think thirty nine minutes in that game. Well, yeah, and that was uh, <laughs> he probably enjoyed that he got a minute rest. It was a stretch yeah. a few, I guess, like a week or two ago where he went like two straight games without even taking a, a rest. So it's a weird team right now because they have no one there. But I also think it's going to be a good, like I, I don't even want to say it because we just continually curse these teams. But I do think they're going to be a good team when they get everybody back. Did you yeah, see uh, much uh, from the but, women's side that jumped out? I'll, I'll I'll get into that in one second, but I just I just do want to clarify that Oregon State men's basketball is zero and five since you wrote your. They might be okay team or might be okay hey, story. Is that, no, is that I said right? it was not. They might be okay. It was that they literally cannot be worse than last <laughs> season. So all they have to do is get one more win. Yeah, yeah. and I'll t- well, and they almost beat Duke. And then they just got off to awful starts against um, Florida and. Portland State, who they've now lost to twice in 10 days. I, I, I thought it was such an interesting uh, contrast in your story on the Oregon State men's team and the women's team that after Oregon State played Duke tight, it was like a, this is, you know, there's no consolation win sort of thing. But 
whereas on the flip side like the Oregon State women were pretty pretty damn stoked to to keep that thing that tight uh which by the way I I really enjoyed that story I, I thought the uh the 13 minutes to uh for a shot of the upset was a uh, was a was a fun entry in the PK Diaries this weekend yeah no and it's it is funny I mean I don't know how uh jazzed Ruick would have been after that uh that second loss to Duke, who is not a ranked team, whereas Iowa was, I think, number nine when they played them. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. Um, I get, you know, I guess the Oregon women's team is the best of the four right now. Um, Dude, but, the, you know, the, the, the yeah, it's weird. The the UP Pilots men's team might be a wagon, so uh, you know, plenty of, plenty of season tickets available for the Pilots. Took down Villanova, played Michigan State, kind of. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Portland State keeps beating local teams too, then it might go from Oregon, Oregon State to Portland, Portland State real quick, yeah, especially ba- ba- once ba- I move up there. Ba- basically, my dream is for UP to become the new Oregon because uh, it's walkable from my house, and we are all about convenience here on the Five Corridor. Any parting shots to Shane? This is this has been a long one. Um. Yeah, I got one thing. I just. A friend of mine just sent me a tweet, and I just feel like it's been a really tough week for a lot of Oregon fans, and I'd like to just throw this out here as we get out of here. Um, Miami football, their record against the spread versus FPS teams this year was 1-10. So it could always be worse. It could it could always be worse. Uh, something that will make things a lot better, you can always subscribe to the i5 Corridor. You can sign up for a free subscription and get these podcasts and the occasional free story. Or you can pay for the whole shebang and get coverage from myself, Shane Hoffman, and kind of just my friends who I have right for the site. But thankfully, I have some talented friends. So uh, consider that at i-5corridor.com. Like and subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I'm going to go take a nap. How about you, Shane? No, the grind restarts for me this week. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later.